0: Happy Monday, Bills Mafia. We are starting your week off in a really fun way. We have a fan favorite in the house, former Buffalo Bills tight end, Lee Smith, who is enjoying retirement. We're going to talk to him a little bit about that journey that's taken place since he retired after the 2021 season. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. This is Shout, as always, brought to you by Topps Friendly Markets. And right now, uh, you could win a million dollars. Enter for your chance to win each week when Kings Hawaiian pits two city sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown, and you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional sl- slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the one million dollar prize. Explore the interactive stadium, play games, get recipes, share photos and more. Visit topsmarkets.com/slash red zone to enter. Lee, I was gonna say to start off with here, you know, you were tired, kind of kicking your feet up, enjoying life, but it seems like you're as busy as you've ever been, my friend.
1: Yeah, and I think my wife <clears throat> considered divorcing me. I think she thought we were going to travel <laughs> to the Caribbean and enjoy a year off after football. I just don't do well sitting still, man. Um, obviously, you get institutionalized, playing in the NFL all those years. You get told where to be 10 times a day, and then you get to go you know, just party with your family for four months as you get cranked back up to do it again. So it was either all in, 10 meetings a day, ultimate structure, or just partying with my family. And mm-hmm. just partying with my family for the next 20 years wasn't an option. I don't think that, <laughs> that uh, I could wake up without a carrot to chase or, or a goal to accomplish and, and really be the best version of myself. So I did this gym thing, man, pouring into the community back home where I, where I grew up here in Knoxville and loving on these kids and just staying around athletics, which is awesome just athletics and jesus man that's what we do here we just party and uh and get all my boys here know that the season's over had a couple guys come through we got some combine and pro day guys in town getting ready for their nfl journey so we're just rocking man it's been a lot of fun
2: yeah so anyone that doesn't know tell us a little bit more about triple f elite training tell us a little bit about the hot hot podcast uh how you're keeping yourself so busy these days
1: yeah man so triple f kind of got born in my brain over the last couple of years of my career i knew that you know, I was staring down the barrel of a gun, so to speak. I wasn't going to play five, ten more years, to say the least. My kids were getting old. Me and Elish had two kids in college, and then I had my third kid in my rookie year in Buffalo. So, I got teenage kids playing pro ball, and it just got to the point where I just wasn't willing to do what it took to tr- to truly play another year. I love football. I love the game. I love my teammates, but to truly be the best version of, of Lee Smith and and be the pro and the leader and the locker room guy and also the player that I was, I just wasn't willing to dedicate and be obsessed and, and you know, revolve my whole life around being a broke football player anymore with with the ages my kids were and kind of where I was at. So I knew it was it was coming to an end. I thought maybe that end would be after my 10th year up there. And then obviously me and Brandon and Arthur and, and everybody between the Bills and the Falcons made that trade happen. and it worked out great to play one more year but but i knew triple f was was next uh this is my home i grew up here and you know we just we're not we're not atlanta here in Knoxville. we're not miami we're, we're not phoenix dallas you know we're just a you know a big small town it's a lot like buffalo really which is why i think we loved buffalo so much without all that white shit all the time so <laughs> um so it's, it's very familiar to Buffalo guys. I mean, Knoxville, Tennessee, the University of Tennessee is 15 minutes from my house. The, the big orange here is very similar to the way Buffalo is loved there or the Bills. And it's just very familiar to me, you know, being in Buffalo and being here. So that's a lot what this town is. And there's just, you know, I wanted to give these kids a true experience that felt like pro football because that, that's what I'm an expert in guys. I'm not going to go to Bank of America and, and, you know, Live, live the normal life. That's just not really in the cards for me. So, I wanted to have a place that I could love on kids, stay around athletics, put together a staff that felt just like pro sports. Uh, these, these, these twelve-year-old kids get what all those guys at the Buffalo Bills get every day. They just don't realize it or don't know it because they've never been in that atmosphere. But there's no better atmosphere in the world. Uh, it's, it's no secret, guys. That, 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 you know, my buddies, my father, my, my father's friends, like. All these dudes, they don't transition out of pro football well because there's nothing else like it. You guys know there's nothing like being in those facilities. There's nothing like being around those guys and acting like a 16 year old boy when you're 35 years old. You know, <laughs> there aren't many there aren't many women walking around the locker room. There aren't you know there aren't many women we brush shoulders with in general. So it's like it's just a bunch of goofy boys acting like they're kids for a living. And, and by the way, a pretty dang good living. So to try to keep that familiarness to myself with being around athletics and you know we we got. You know, girl and boy members here. Obviously, the boys dominate the numbers, but my girls here are probably my favorite. They outwork the boys most of the time. The, the girls that are here, they they got to be dogs to survive in this environment here at Triple F, so they're a lot of fun to watch get better. But, but that's what it is, man. It's it's a gym to give these kids truly a pro football experience, pro basketball, pro baseball, just be in the most elite environment and and come enjoy each other and uh, and grow as athletes around people that know what the heck they're doing. And just pour back into this community where I grew up. And, uh, you know, Jesus will always be at the forefront of that. Um, I tell folks all the time, it's not mandatory to be a Christian and be a member here. We don't say the Lord's Prayer before every uh, workout session. But uh, Jesus is always present around here. We got our Bible study coming up here in a couple hours that we do for the kids. So that's been a lot of fun. But uh, I'm still raw and and rugged and, you know, let a four-letter word slip out of my mouth every once in a while. I got screws all kinds of loose. So um, it's
0: been fun um i i want to say that if you, you could check check this out go over to um you can kind of get a look inside uh the triple f uh facility and it looks state-of-the-art i mean it looks like you guys really did this thing the right thing how important was that to you as you were kind of building this thing to make sure like yeah you want to give them that environment but to also give them this really truly this elite training experience
1: Well, you know, it says train like a pro on the wall downstairs and you guys have been around me a long time. Sometimes my biggest flaw is that, you know, I don't have the ability to be full of shit. So uh, that's something I need to get better at, I guess, now that I'm in the real world. But um, but you know what, man, when I put train like a pro on the wall, I meant it. I want these kids, Matt, man, I want these kids to truly be able to feel the energy and environment that I got to live for 11 years Mm -hmm. the kids don't go to the nfl that's not real that's not a reality that's not going to happen for 99 percent of the kids that ever come through this place but they're going to get to experience as close as it gets to that being here and Mm -hmm. the facility is a big part of that like they they built a brand when i got to oakland in free agency when i left buffalo the first time it felt like i was in afghanistan and Mm -hmm. i'm just like holy smokes this place is a dump Mm -hmm. and then a state-of-the-art training facility, literally right when I got there. So I got to watch that be built. My man Joe Gomes, who's still a dear friend of mine, I got to watch that get built. And then obviously while I was gone in those four years, Buffalo just completely renovated their place. And I so I got to be in two of the nicest – listen, man, you go over to the University of Tennessee or Alabama or Georgia, these dudes got to build these crazy, lavish training – Rooms and and weight rooms and locker rooms for what? Recruiting, right? Mm-hmm. You you recruit guys in the NFL with big checks. You don't recruit them with with fancy hot tubs and cold tubs and nice locker rooms. So, you know, my, my deal was already done in Oakland before I ever got out there. The weight room wasn't really a concern. It was taking care of my family, right? Mm-hmm. So there, there's just not that many NFL teams that really pour into the facilities like Oakland did while I was there and like the Buffalo Bills have, obviously. So I wanted it to feel just like that. For 10 years of my career, I got to be in a, a place that, that truly had great facilities and it can't say train like a pro downstairs if if, uh, if I don't have a facility like I'm used to in the NFL. So I wanted it all to be so familiar, man. That, that's a big part of why I built it the way I built it. And, uh, and my NFL buddies come in town and they're like, bro, these kids have no idea how close this truly is to what we do every day. And I'm like, I know, but – and they never will, which is fine because I want them to go off and be the best dentist in town or the best lawyer in town or the be- best whatever. Uh, I just want them to – I want this to put a jetpack up their butt to go be the best at whatever they decide to do in life. So, like I said, man, it's been so much fun. And then Hut Hut was just kind of a byproduct to stay around the guys. Bruce Irvin, my my dog, is, is going to be a big time part of it once he's done playing. Uh, it was mm-hmm. kind of mine and Bruce's mine and Bruce's plan to do it together. And he obviously went back to uh, to Seattle and played well uh, as a you know he's an old man now, but he's got some juice left. So uh, once he's done, it'll kind of be us together, which will be cool. And uh, and just try to stay connected to, to our NFL buddies. And once again, I just don't want to let my family down, man. I don't want to let my kids down. I don't want to let my wife down. I had a father that transitioned out of pro football very poorly. And as much as I can stay familiar to what I know, dude, I'm going to do it yeah that's awesome and
2: you know listening to this your show it doesn't seem like you really miss those 20 play drives coming on and off the field and you already noted what one thing that you do miss is being around the guys acting like a bunch of 16 year olds but what's one thing that you missed that you didn't think you were going to miss
1: uh you know the easy answer is nothing you know and and i'm (laughs) And I'm so thankful. Listen, guys, like even even I call him Pops, even Cole Beasley. Like we talked a lot last year, man. And it's like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It does. Don't get me wrong. Like having financial security for a male is, is a gigantic asset. Mm-hmm. But when guys struggle the most is when they don't get to leave on their terms. And as you guys know, that's ninety nine point nine percent of dudes in the NFL. Right. So the, 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 if, if I would have had an injury after year eight or nine, and I would have felt like, man, I'm just not quite done yet. I think it would have been a a, a much harder transition out. I I know it would have been, you know, I was running around down there in Atlanta and obviously I went down there to help Arthur to get that thing built and had a blast doing it. But, you know, just as the season went on, man, I didn't have much juice left. I had juice in the locker room and and juice as a leader and juice to help Kyle Pitts understand what pro football is supposed to look like, but I just didn't have much left in the tank and, I just knew it was time. God was telling me it was time. My family was telling me it was time. I just I, was, I wasn't in love with Sundays anymore, and that scared me. Mm. So, mm. so to answer your question, the boys, and then I will say this one thing, this one thing that I noticed yesterday for the first time. I had a big party over here at Triple F for all these kids just to let them come watch the Super Bowl. And the moment of standing there on the sideline during the National Anthem I'm not going down the political rabbit hole. That's not what I'm just talking in general. The Pavlov's dog's reaction of when that started to play, you knew it's party time. Mm -hmm. And just that feeling in your body of do I want to puke? Do I want to cry? Do I want to headbutt somebody? Do I want to sniff ammonia? Like, holy smokes, just get me to that first place so I can get these butterflies out of my stomach. Mm -hmm. I I miss that feeling. And I I hadn't really thought about it because I don't watch much football, but we were here last night you know, if you don't get chills with Chris Stapleton singing the national anthem. You're not mm. human. So, um, but just, just that, that sideline feeling of man, I get to the prayer. I would say every national anthem, I would say a prayer. And like that feeling of, I get to do this to provide for my family. And I, I like I said, this feeling, I'll never have that feeling again. It's just that, that feeling of combat, so to speak. And I, I don't like the football to military comparison. I've never had to bury any of my buddies, but, uh, but that that pre combat feeling, the national anthem, the pre- just that that five to ten minutes before the game, man, uh, I realized the other day for the first time, like cause I because I was getting chills and I kind of sort of had the feeling, and I'm like, I ain't playing shit <laughs> <But> for some <laughs> like like for some reason I felt it a little bit, and I'm like, man, that that was kind of cool. Like that's something that you don't get in the real world, just that pre game emotion. Uh, I, I missed that. I, I missed it for sure.
0: <clears throat> that's awesome. And you don't know think about that, like. You know, when you, I, I used, before I started covering the bills, I, I lived in Vegas for five years and covered, you know, uh, the UFC, I worked for the, for the UFC. And so like, you know, transition to football, still, you know, guys hitting each other and it, but it's a different vibe. Like you know, on fight night, like a big fight night, something that me and John have connected on over the years. It's just, it's just different. It's hard to explain what it's like to be in the arena for a big time fight, a big time main event. And I wasn't in it, I wasn't fighting, but be miss missing being around that. Like you feel it, you feel it down deep and in those moments, but all the other moments, you know, I grew up in Buffalo around this team, around this community. And so being able to come back here, bring my family back here, this has been something for me personally that has outweighed a lot of that stuff, but it doesn't, you know, stop those, those brief moments on those big fight nights, those big moments where you feel it.
1: Absolutely. Oh, oh, Vince St. Prue is down here in Knoxville. Uh, Mm. he, he He comes by the gym. He's just such a great guy. You know, I'm fat and out of shape right now because I've enjoyed this this year away from football, but uh, I'm about to get my butt back in the gym and, and get healthy again. But I asked him, I said, do you need just a big body just to help you? Because he's at the end of his career here now. He's 39 years old. He's got to fight next week, I think. But mm-hmm. I got the utmost respect for those guys. But, they're, you know, he's not go- you know, going back out there at 39 years old to fight because he just mm-hmm. loves fighting. It's, right. It's all those things. And he loves fighting, obviously. But it's all those things, that that energy, that emotion, the way you feel. Like, I do not miss playing football. I, I, I played until I had nothing left in the tank. But some of those little things, I'm sure, over the years, to answer your question, Ryan, there's going to be something else next year of like, man, you know, I, I miss that too. You know, like there's going to be all the little things. 11 years of my life. My, I was born my father's rookie year in the NFL you know, I got two boys now. We'll we'll see what what their long term uh, trajectory looks like. Genetics are pretty good. You know, big, ugly, and slow, but at least big. <laughs> so, um, but but like there's 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 always I think Ryan going to be those things when I'm 45 years old that I'm like, man, those were the good those are the good old days, so to speak. Not that I sit around bonfires and talk about it all the time, but but. Literally, it's funny you asked me that because last night was the first time during the National Anthem that I kind of sort of got butterflies and just had that deja vu of those moments. And it's like, man, that was was a pretty fun, you know, 11 years, 100 and how many ever games, pretty good stuff.
0: We've talked a lot on this show over the last, like, you know, what, two months now about what the Bills have gone through this season. And really, in a lot of ways, you could really probably – take this back to 2021 with all the COVID stuff and just being a football player in general, going through that season, like how much it affected, you know, players, families, and then into 2022, you know, everything around the, the top shooting locally, Kim Pagula, which we've just really learned the the details of that, you know, Dawson Knox, obviously you're very close with him, him losing his brother right before the season, all these things. And then DeMar Hamlin, obviously in season, you know, you have this unique perspective from, being so close to it for so long then being then watching a lot of it this year far away like what is your takeaway from this 2022 season now knowing how it ended and everything that this team went through
1: what does everybody say like wh- you talk to current players you talk to former players like what do you think you're gonna miss what do you miss what is always the universal first answer the guys mm-hmm. like the Brotherhood of pro sports, there's nothing comparable to it on planet earth outside of maybe the military, not, not maybe the military, definitely the military. Mm -hmm. So when your brothers are hurting, when, you know, the community is hurting around you and, and not to mention, let's not ever ignore the fact that it's miserable to live in Buffalo. Like, (laughs) like, like, and I don't mean that negatively. I love Buffalo, but, but like you don't see the sun it's cold as hell. I mean, it's, you're the, you know, I, I'm a redneck from Tennessee. I honestly bought a scarf, bro. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> so, so it's like, like it, it's, it's great to live there because the people are great. But let's not ignore the fact that it's miserable four months a year. Mm-hmm. And, and on top of that, you, you don't see the sun. So, so Sean has done a great job inside the facility. It's like a Vegas casino in there. He's got all the LED lights. And you don't realize you're even in Buffalo once you walk in the building until it's time to go home. Sean's done a great job with that of just keeping the energy inside that building, you know, top shelf since he got there. That was one of his big things that, that I was a big fan of when I got back. It just more energy, light. It just he kind of he 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 gets that side of it. But with with Miss Pagula, you know, because from what I understand, I wasn't there, but nobody really knew. I mean, Alicia's friends with, with the youngins, and she was communicating with them, and and I talk about the the Pagula kids and. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, we knew it wasn't good. And and the shooting, and especially when race is involved, it's just so emotional. And and listen, we're all still feeling COVID. Like, this was supposed to be the, finally, that crap is over. Let's move on. And then you just continue to get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what anybody says, man. I, like And Sean and Brennan and jo- Josh especially. If, I, if Josh Allen heard me say this, he would be mad at me. Mm-hmm. But when I watched that game, bro, they were just – Tired, like right. just mentally and physically exhausted. And I mean, tr- imagine being Dawson Knox, bro. I, I got, I got. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, that's like my little brother. It, I mean, his his parents are like family to me. I'm I'm right in the middle of his parents and his age, so I'm trying to figure out which one I, I have a better relationship with here, David or <laughs> Dawson. But but um, but like burying your child, burying your brother, and you know, it's just like, come on, man, and. And when, you're, when your brothers are hurting and then DeMar, you know, it was just the weather, there's snow, there's a blizzard, let's move the game. Like, it's just unbelievable. And I don't. like I said, they'd all be mad at me because they're such competitors and they don't want any excuses. And if I was still a player in that locker room, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to listen to anybody else say what I'm saying right now either. Because we're grown men and regardless of what happens in life, we're going to buckle up and go. But I'm telling you, boys, like, what a year. Uh, I, yeah. There's just there's just no way to truly even try to put yourself in that brain space unless you're – and then uh, don't forget, Von Miller is the dude in that locker room. Josh is still young. Josh is still young. He, he's, he doesn't have a Peyton Manning and Tom Brady mentality. He's not going to walk upstairs and raise hell. He's just going to be Josh and, and do his thing and play quarterback. Mm-hmm. So – He's not going to be that guy. Va- Vaughn was the guy. Vaughn was the dude in the locker room. I was that dude when I was there. And him getting hurt. I mean, the list just goes on and on. We sit here and talk long enough. There's going to be three more things that we remember that were just like mm. sucker punches to the gut. So I think it was an exhausting year for the guys, man. I really do. And 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 rightfully so. And I think that uh, that if, if the good Lord will hold off on the snow and keep people healthy and, my God, not let anybody lose their life, for crying out loud! Hell with football and winning, losing. We got people losing their life. And if that stuff, will, if that stuff will, will just take a pause for crying out loud. Give Buffalo a little break. I think the Buffalo Bills are going to be so stinking rejuvenated, and fired up next year they're going to beat people's teeth in. That's that's my honest opinion. I, I think that they're going to come out with a jetpack up their ass. Uh, Lord willing, no more tragedy strikes. Yeah. And, and just be rejuvenated and and as healed as possible. Dawson Knox will never be fully healed from losing his brother. That that's not how it goes. Like that car will be there for life. Obviously, Demar back healthy, and no more blizzards that are, you know, also taking people's lives. By the way, that's like right. Man, the, down <laughs> in the south, down in the south, people are like, man, that's so cool. I'm like, bullshit. It ain't cool. Like, like two feet of snow is cool. You go sled and you hang out with your kids at Chestnut Ridge and you party. Mm-hmm. Six feet of snow is not cool. That is not right. cool at all.
0: Right. You can't uh, get out of your house. Can't yeah, get groceries.
1: It's, it's scary, and and of course. It, it strikes poverty first, right? Like, like I can't imagine it being in a trailer park with that blizzard comes, you know, it, it's, it's one thing if, if you live over in birdsong with Brandon Bean, Hey, shout out to Brandon. So I probably shouldn't say where Brandon lives. So a lot of people go into his house. Sorry, Brandon. But, but it, you know, it's one thing, like it's one thing when, when you have a big, nice, warm home, but people don't realize how much how that snow affects, you know, people in the, in the city, people in trailer parks, people that don't have resources like it's tragic, man. And it's just horrible. So hopefully all that stuff will, t- will cease and, uh, and and give Buffalo a little break, give the community a little break. And then just everybody surround that positive healed energy around the bills and next season. And just watch them beat the brakes off people. I can't wait. <laughs> there you go. You know, Ken Dorsey offensive coordinator first year was under siege a lot
2: from the fan base. What did you think of him this year in terms of what he did in his first year And. Was anyone going to be able to come in and, and kind of replace Brian Dable in terms of what he has been able to do, I, do or do you think just anyone that came in, whether it was someone from uh, that was coaching with Dable or even a new coach with the new system, was going to face challenges?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think inevitably, sometimes let's just call a spade a spade. It's it's hard to truly get better when 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 you have a season that good, right? Really? Um, but I, I, listen. Any player in that locker room is going to stand up for doors. I will be the first one to stand up for doors. Uh, that, that's my guy. I mean, he's a leader of men. He's a great man. But I always say, you know, it's it's not a uh, popularity contest in pro football. It's production-based business. Maybe I missed out on the fact that, you know, they won a, a crap ton of games and were in, comp- you know, were in the number one seed the majority of the year. Uh, I remember in 2011 when I came back, or when I got claimed off waivers by the uh, by the Bills when I got released mm-hmm. in New England. And I think we we were hot, man. We won like six in a row, or we were six and two. I don't remember what it was, but we were hot early in the year. Then we went and lost like nine games in a row. Every year thereafter, like just a winning season would have been, you know, That people would sh- remember how everybody felt that, that first year they went to the playoffs? Y'all remember that feeling in Buffalo where mm-hmm. both y'all were out Oh, yeah. Yeah, now we're bitching about 13 win seasons. So it's like yeah. – Give me a break. You know, I'm, I'm anti-fan sometimes. You know, I, I watched Josh Allen get booed off the field when I first came back. So it's like, give me a break. You know, stay on your couch and worry about, worry about how you make a living, not about Ken Dorsey. He's, he's, he's a really good coach. He's a really good man. You know, you're your avatar quarterback. Like, once again, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for Josh because he'd be mad at me. But torn elbows are not a good thing for a starting right. quarterback, just for the record. So, like, you see all these clowns on ESPN, you know, Josh's demise and all this stuff. And mm. it's like, oh, number one, you've never put on shoulder pads. The, the clown show will, will, will continue. You know, it, it is what it is. Everybody's got their opinion. But Ken Dorsey, Josh Allen, the, the combination of those two dudes, man, like, just take a deep breath, relax. Obviously, Dable was really, really good. He was the best. Uh, Doris will fix all – I mean, because, listen, this is his first year being a coordinator, man. Go back to Brian Dable's first year being a coordinator. Right. Yeah. Like I'm I'm not sure if it was great or bad or anywhere in between. I, I wasn't with Dave's his first year as a coordinator, but give the guy a break. He'll, he will fix all those things like nobody wants to fix those little in, inefficiencies more than uh, Ken Dorsey does. Let him attack this offseason. Like I said, let Buffalo heal, keep the snow away, keep people alive and watch what Doris and Josh do next year together. You know, it's it's going to be scary, guys. I'm just telling you, all I'm telling you all right now, the Buffalo Bills are going to be terrifying next year with with the rejuvenation and the healing that hopefully takes place this offseason just from this crazy, tragic, you know, eight months. Yeah, absolutely. You you know,
2: one area, though, where it feels like the Bills might have to improve a little bit might be a- along the offensive line. You saw in the Super Bowl last night two really good offensive lines uh, with the Eagles and with the Chiefs. Is this something where maybe the, the, the Bills were just missing something this year? Was it, uh, again... Uh, a new offensive line coach, uh, some new players inserted in, or is it something where maybe the bills do need to make their number one priority protecting Josh? Because like you said, these elbow injuries, that's not good for a starting quarterback. Should their number one priority this off season be to protect Josh Allen?
1: As you all both know by covering me and being around me over the years, any negative comment about a player in the national football league is not going to come out of my voice. But in saying that, they 100 percent, and Brandon, I'm sure, would be the first one. I mean, you don't give somebody 43 million dollars a year and then not prioritize protecting them. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, three Pro Bowlers this year. I'm pretty certain. Uh, and I'm pretty sure Mitch and the whole left side went to the Pro Bowl. Uh, Roger and Dion, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep. Right? You're right. Uh, the the young The young right tackle, I'm high on. Uh, I think he's got a bright, bright, bright future. Uh, he's obviously an avatar of a human being. He's big and gifted, and he's battled with some injuries. So, uh, so man, I, I'm I'm high on their O line. I, I think I think it's a combination of both. I think Josh Allen will be the first one to admit that his Superman mentality sometimes can put him in harm's way. And but that's also what makes Josh Allen and Ryan Fitzpatrick and these guys elite leaders. Like they're leaders of men. Their teammates want to follow them. Josh is going to try to win the game on every play. I don't remember what game it was. Was it? I, I was up there for the Minnesota game. It's like going into half. And literally the time is expiring. And I'm sitting there like, oh, here he goes. And he throws a touchdown pass with no time on the clock. I, was it Minnesota? Was that, the
0: Gabe, was that the Gabe Davis touchdown?
1: I want to say it might have been the one to James
2: Cook in the end zone where he scrambled around for a while. Yes. And, and was yes. Yeah.
1: So, so that cost your team three points right there right <laughs> If he doesn't complete that pass, but that's who he is, so of course, you know, and, and from a coaching standpoint, and from Lee Smith, the retired guy that's up in Josh's suite with his family, like of course, you're going, no, 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 throw it away, throw it away, throw it away, at least get three points, at least get three points that's not That's not what makes him great, so what makes him great is that he wants to win the game on every single play, and uh, he will continue to grow uh Brandon's always gonna prioritize protecting him. I have zero doubt in my mind about that uh i mean for God's sakes, he already has three pro bowlers and you know uh a lot i mean he's got a lot of money on that old line so mm-hmm. how Brandon decides to maybe- maybe go a little uh go a little younger i i don't know I, what what he decides to do up front is is up to him, but I think you'd be foolish to say that protecting the forty three million dollar man who I think is the best leader of men. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to not crown Patrick Mahomes right now. That dude is ridiculous. But Josh Allen is – if I'm starting a team tomorrow, you know, that's my dog. Uh, he's my first pick, period. So – um, but but he, he'll get right. Brandon will do whatever it takes to protect him. I have no doubt in my mind. Dorsey will do whatever it takes in the scheme to protect him. And they just got to keep learning, man. Like J- Josh is still young. L- look out for that dude because every year he gets a little better at something. And he just takes the league by storm every year. But, uh, but I think it's a combination of, of everybody. Josh trying not to play middle linebacker with the ball in his hand and obviously doing a few things roster-wise. That's totally up to Brandon and Sean. But uh, I have no doubt in my mind that they will do what's best for Josh.
2: Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. You ready? Showtime.
0: got three questions left for you two bills related and then one uh triple f um josh and stefan diggs you had a front row seat to those two guys developing their chemistry their relationship their the way that they paint on the field right on this blank canvas to your point josh is this ultra competitor ultra creator and diggs has just been the perfect piece to that the lasting image that you know Fans and media are taking into the offseason is a very frustrated Stefan Diggs with his arms raised, you know, looking at Josh on the sideline. Is that a impenetrable relationship or is that like anything else? Like, you know, when things don't go wrong, it gets it gets tested. I mean, how close are those two?
1: When you're in the real world, the only people that get to see the worst version of you normally is your family, your wife and kids. Right. Like you can't hide from them. That's where you go home every day. That's when you have your little mental breakdowns or your little temper tantrums, like your family sees it. And then you go out in the real world and you put on this mask and you act like you've got no issues, right? You don't have that luxury as a professional athlete when you're in the most emotional, intense environment on the planet doing what you love the most outside of your family. So I I would say that it's a non-issue, 100% non-issue. Those mm-hmm. dudes are like brothers you know, if you could – so I got a business partner here at Triple F. His name's Daniel Evans. Not that anyone in Buffalo knows who Daniel Evans is, but he's one of my best friends. The way we cuss each other and attack each other at times is borderline. Just a bit, <laughs> right? Because that's the only way I know how to communicate, man. Like, it's pro, it's pro football. Like, hey, bro, block your guy. And then when I don't block my guy, it's like, hey, Lee, block your guy. Like, like it's – like, Steph wants the ball. Like, hey, Josh, I want the ball, bro. Give me the ball. Like, that's what got us here. Like, throw me the ball. <laughs> and you think Josh is mad about that? No, Josh is just as frustrated as Steph is in that moment that, you know, he can't get Steph the ball because of whatever, uh, whatever the defense was doing or whatever the game was going on. So no, to all Buffalo fans out there, one hundred percent. And by the way, my anti fan comments earlier, you know, I love you Buffalo fans. But, uh, <laughs> get off get off my get off my man Dorse. All you, you know, living room coaches, get off my man doors. Uh You, you were, you were on Josh when I came back in 2000, was it 2019? Yeah, you were booing (laughs) Josh off the field then too. Now y'all kill your firstborn children for him. So get off Dorsey. But I'll, um, I'll,
0: I'll stand up with you on that point because the same people I would argue that are coming for Dorsey are the same people that wanted Brian Dable fired two years ago uh, or like the end of 2019, I remember there was actually a Twitter movement, like a hashtag movement for it. And some of those same folks by the end were like Brian Dable, offensive coordinator of the year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and listen, let's be clear. That's what makes pro football freaking awesome. Like Mm -hmm. people are obsessed with this guys. Like that's my family has a great life. Financially speaking, My, my kids are healthy. God is good. My wife still loves me. I think, Like my, my, my life is awesome outside of pro football, giving us great experiences and financial resources, but like pro football took care of my family because people love it. So like Mm -hmm. when, when they're not happy, like they spend their hard earned money, like especially Buffalo fans, what else do they have to do on a December Sunday? Like, so like when they're not happy, when it's not the product they want, it's not the product they're spending their hard earned money to enjoy. They got every right. That's what makes it great. But at the same time, like as a player and as a coach, like, like I said, I don't, I don't read Twitter. I don't read Instagram. Like there, I, there might be people out there that hate me. There might be people out there that love me. I don't spend my time on social media. But I can hear boos in the stands. I hear the noise. My wife tells me things. Yeah. A, a, a big-time movement, fire Brian Dable. At, at, the, at the NFL Honors, what was it, last week, he's the freaking NFL Coach of the Year, boys. Mm. Like, and <laughs> Buffalo Bills fans. And by the way, how about this? He's a Buffalo native, like, Mm, and they they still want to cut his throat and run him out of town. So it's like, give me a break. Uh, It's just it's so annoying. But thank God for the fans that they support us. They show up every Sunday, whether they're mad or happy or drunk or jumping on tables or whatever they got going on. Like (laughs) Bills fans are the best. But those ten percent of Bills fans that want to find something to complain about, it's like, come on, man, you're you got a Super Bowl contending team, an All Pro quarterback. You know, an all-pro receiver, you know, just just a great leadership in Brandon and Sean all the way down. Like, it's a heck of a time to be a Bills fan. Sit back, enjoy the ride, because it, I promise you, as Bills fans should know, you don't know what's going to happen once the Josh Allen, Sean McDermott show ends. You might be on another 20-year drought. So – how about you enjoy the moment instead of complaining and enjoy the wins enjoy the super bowl runs and uh and and just try to be positive so there's my there's my soapbox for the day.
2: <laughs> you know this is a great transition though because our next topic is going to be Brian Dable and you just you just mentioned him quite a bit obviously a great first season in, in new york uh get some back to the playoffs you've been around him before tell us a little bit about him from from your perspective being with him uh knowing what you know about him but Also, what makes him different from a leadership perspective than what they have in
1: Sean McDermott? Listen, Dave's Dave's just a grimy dude from South Buffalo. I think I'm pretty (laughs) sure he's on the south side. Like, him and him and Sean are much different leadership types, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Von Miller leads that locker room different than Lee Smith led the locker room, you know, or Micah Hyde leads different than Jordan Poyer, so. Josh Allen leads different than Ryan Fitzpatrick did. Like all of us have different leadership qualities. I would say that Sean and Dave's are very different personality types. You know, Dave's is Dave's is probably more like me. He's emotional. He's going to do and say things that he might look back on five minutes later and think, man, I might overreacted a little bit. But But it's all just pure passion and love and just hatred for losing. Like that dude hates losing. He hates having, you know – a negative play that he called like, he's just so passionate about the work that he puts into it. So I don't know, man, like one thing's for sure. I, I knew that when he went up there, they were going to be successful because he's a dang good football coach. It's it's the same reason I went to play for Arthur Smith for one more year instead of retiring. Like we were in salary cap hell in Atlanta. And Arthur just, he he gets the team because you get these coaches, they, they try to fit square pegs and round holes. Like, You have to design offensive scheme based off of the players you have, especially in year one. You can't go in there with your offensive scheme and we're going to do this no matter what. Well, it's like, well, hey, man, we don't have the right guard for that play. Or, hey, man, we don't have the tight end that can block anybody for that play. Or, hey, man, Lee Smith is slow as molasses. We cannot run that play. Like, like there's, just, there's just a million things that, that if you just try to jam square pegs and round holes all the time, especially in year one and two of a new team when you're trying to build it your way, you're going to lose and you're going to get fired. So I knew Dable would not do that. I knew he was going to make the best out of the players he had and, and change the energy and kind of culture around that place. And he just He just understands. The best way I'll put it, when coaches used to come in the locker room I would literally yell and scream and cuss them until they were just so ashamed that they would leave. Like this, to the point, and, and in a loving way, like these coaches are my guys. I, I've, like I said, I had teenage kids playing in pro football. So I had a lot more in common with the coaches at the end of my career than the players. Mm-hmm. The players were always my dudes, but I got, a, you know, and I would bury all the coaches for my teammates and they knew that, but but some of these coaches are dear friends of mine, but I would like, get out of here, man. Like, you know, the whole, I can't say what I would say to him, but, <laughs> but, but Brian Dable, man, come in the locker room. He kind of, he kind of had a <clears his> pat. <pack. throat> he was just, he was just that guy. You know what I'm saying? So there was just something special about him. Uh, he just understood how to relate to guys. He has a ton of experience. And uh, I think Dave would tell you personally, like probably wasn't a head coach sooner because he's a little bit of a hot head and you know, emotional and he's just that grimy dude from South Buffalo, like I said. But finally he got his shot, man. I'm so happy for him and Beth and the kids. And to get the recognition he got the other day at the NFL honors, I you could tell he was about to cry. That's why his speech was so short. Because that dude standing on that stage enjoyed every second of it, man. Like he's just a special human being. And then Sean, I mean it speaks for itself. He's like I tell I told you to tell Sean all the time, that fancy new pay raise you got, you earned it, man. Like He came back and and built that thing back the right way. And the one thing I'll always give Sean credit for, and and no one's perfect. Dorsey's not perfect. Sean's not perfect. Leslie's not perfect. Brandon's – I mean, no one's perfect, guys. Come on, give me a break. Like, players aren't perfect. But Sean McDermott said, me and Josh Allen are either going to the promised land together or we're going down together. And that was the best decision he ever made. You see all these head coaches. They screw up these rookie quarterbacks. They have all these competition – you know, quarterback battles. And, like, Josh was a raw kid from Wyoming. He, he didn't need that stress in his life. Like, just hand him the torch and, and let him grow. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what Sean did. And now the Buffalo Bills are perennial Super Bowl contenders because of it, because Sean and Josh went on this ride together and Brandon built a hell of a team around them. So it's good stuff, man.
0: Well, you've given us good stuff. And speaking of good stuff, you, you know, maybe you should have rethought this triple F thing and gone into like college recruiting. Cause you're out on the recruiting trail right now. I heard you are trying to pitch Beasley on Tennessee. Apparently John Feliciano is retiring there to join you at triple F. What's that about?
1: You know, so me and Rodney Hudson, who's a dear friend of mine just finished his 12th year for the Cardinals. He's the godfather of my oldest son, him and me and him kind of raised Felice as a football player in Oakland. And then Felice left in free agency, Gruden cut me and I ended up in Buffalo back with Felice. So I was with him for the first six years of his career. And, um, you know, John Feliciano is just so dear to me as a friend and a teammate, but, um, he's a lot like me, man. Like he needs to be surrounded with the right people and the right energy. And both of us grew up in toxic environments. So, the fact that we can have each other and, and kind of grow old together here in Tennessee, raising our families and loving on these kids down here, I'm just fired up because that's my guy. Now, he's also the first person you call if you go into a bar fight. You know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> me and him got a lot in common. We're, we're dear friends, and I'm super excited about him being here. Uh, I've got his farm all ready for him. He's going to, you know, get welcome to redneck living in a hurry with cows and, and uh, partying down here. But most importantly, he's a dang good man that uh, I need to unplug that door chime next time I do one of these things. I'm gonna <laughs> go ahead and with but no, man, that's my, that's my dog. And I uh, see that thing won't stop now. I'm going to go with a hammer in a minute, boys, but, um, but no bees, I don't think I'm going to get him. He's a Texan at heart. Uh, I don't know that I'll get him, but obviously Dawson's right up the road in Nashville and got a couple of buddies from my Falcons journey that are right down in Atlanta, which is all close to me. And I uh, try to get up to Buffalo as much as I can while, while these guys that I love so much are still in that locker room. Once, once they're all gone, you know I might come back for a mulberry dinner once a year, but uh, but I'll be back a lot while my dudes are still uh, still playing for the Bills. It's fun, but once again, the brotherhood. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like my dog moving down here and going on this journey with me and uh, and pouring into this community. It's I'm excited. John is uh, the class act of dirtbags. Him and Dable both. They're two peas in a the pod. There's a reason they're up there together. <laughs>
0: go to youtube.com slash at hut hut podcast, H U T H U T podcast. You will find Lee Smith's show uh, as he grows this thing. I've listened to a couple episodes already. Uh, You're going to want to check it out. Bill's fans interviews with Cole and John Feliciano and more to come. I'd imagine eventually you're going to get Mr. Josh Allen on one of these, right?
1: Yeah. You know, you got to let him, let him simmer off in the off season. Uh, And he gets picked and prodded at by everybody. So Mm -hmm. uh, he's always, He's always the one that I, you know, my thing is I don't want to be, what what was it called a few years ago? Advocare, that pyramid scheme, the little nutrition. Mm Advocare, I guess it was. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to be this guy that every time somebody sees my phone, my number on their phone, they're like, oh, shit, Lee wants something again. Lee Mm -hmm. wants a podcast or Lee wants me to come to Triple F and shake hands and kiss babies. Like, I'm never going to be that guy. Like, I'm just not going to do it. So, which is probably why, you know, my business partner gets on me all the time. Like, bro, you have all these resources, just use them. I'm like, man, it's just hard for me to call my dog all the time and ask him for favors. But in saying that, I'm getting his ass on sooner or later. Um, so uh so me and Josh will have a good one. I might have to get him down here to Knoxville and love on him and uh take him to dinner and, and give him a little redneck living too. He's a California kid. But he grew up on a he grew up on a farm, so he's got a little bit of redneck in him, but uh or a big old ranch. So yes, yeah, stay tuned. Josh Allen will be on there sooner or later, along with a lot of other guys around the league that I've played with throughout my career and like I said, OSP, get him on there at some point. You know, i got a couple fighters here in town. So at the gym, we train all, all sports, all kids. So I'm trying to get as many guys on there as I can. These kids can look up to that have, that have made it in all sports. So it'll be cool.
0: Well, we miss you in the locker room, buddy. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully we can catch up with you maybe later on this year. Good luck with everything. You're killing it.
1: My brother, anything you ever need from me, I'm all in. Bill's Mafia. All the players, my guys, love y'all, man. I miss y'all. Best time of my best time of my career being up there. It was so much fun. You embraced my family. You treated me like gold. Even all you haters out there who, you know, got tired of my offsides penalties. I love you too. Um, so, uh, so I miss it, man. I miss you guys. I miss miss being there. Miss the energy. Um, but, uh, but I'm, I'm sure glad it's over. So, <laughs> I enjoyed it. And call me if you ever
0: need me, Matt. Ryan, good to see y'all, boys. Good. Take care, Lee. All right, man. All right, Lee Smith, delivering a great, great uh, appearance from him. I knew it would be. That's why uh, I invited him onto the show. Before we get on out of here, Ryan, I want to talk about Ken Dorsey specifically because, you know, Lee brought him up and you know defended him quite a bit. I've been in the mentions today, actually, you know, waging the war that I didn't know that I was even a part of. (laughs) You know, I've been, I've been pretty um, critical of Ken Dorsey at times. Like you have to be, right? Like. You know, I think you could be critical without like these grand overarching like requests for like, you know, firing a guy. It's it's what I kind of, you know, picked and prodded at guys or at fans years ago with the Dable stuff like the Dorsey stuff is like you look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. And the Kansas City Chiefs look at their situations. They landed on a Jalen Hurts, which was just like, a, you know, a penny in a wishing fountain. You draft him in the third round, you develop him, he, you, you, you put him behind this elite of all elite offensive lines. It all comes together, you know, perfectly in your three points away from the Super Bowl. But guess what, Ryan, as good as that Philadelphia Eagles season was this year. They are in the same boat as 29 other teams, the Bills included. They lost. They didn't win the Super Bowl. So their season is as successful as the Bills, even though the Bills lost two rounds earlier. And then you look at the Chiefs. They are a unicorn in this sport. They have a guy in Andy Reid who has been a longtime offensive guru that has taken years and decades to craft this offensive package. And oh, by the way, you have that guy in the in the biggest important position managerially in your organization. And then you have arguably the best quarterback you have to ever ever play the game in there. Yeah. You know, at the same time making music together. It's just most teams have to do it a different way. They have to orchestrate this. And 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 he kind of look back and honestly. I look at that 2021 season as more of a miss than this past season because you had Dable in that last window before he was going to get a head coaching job. I think I'd be more mad at that. I think there's plenty to build on with what they did in year one with Dorsey and what this could look like in year two with him.
2: Yeah, and, and going back to what you just said, I, I agree. Last year was their best opportunity to date. They were rolling on offense going into that Chiefs game. They had come back. Uh, everything was kind of clicking there. This past year, all we heard all season, Matt, in the comments was no first-year offensive coordinator has ever won a Super Bowl or led his team to the Super Bowl. And, okay, yeah, that happened this year uh, with the Bills. The stat continues. But he's going to get better. He's going to get better with experience. If you look at Brian Dable's coaching history before he came to Buffalo, uh, there was a lot of stops, a lot of offensive coordinator jobs, a lot of uh, different positional jobs. He had quite the journey to get to where he is now, uh, winning coach of the year. It's not just smooth sailing from year one. So like Lee Smith said, he's going to get better. He's going to learn from his mistakes. There's going to be more rhyme and rhythm to the play calls that he makes. I'm sure that there are times where he said, well, I I have confidence in this play and maybe it didn't fit in terms of what the bills are trying to do. It didn't fit in terms of the setting up the next play, but he's going to learn from these experiences and, you know, pre-show Matt, you mentioned, and you already said some of the things about the chiefs. Their offensive line coach has been there since 2013. Eric Bieniemy is this coach that hasn't been poached all these years when there's been all this offensive magic. And yes, I know Andy Reid supposedly calls the plays, uh, but enemy is finally getting those looks. He, he might end up with the Commanders as offensive coordinator or uh, another opportunity elsewhere. They, they've had a lot of things to stay in place for them. Uh, where where the Bills, you know, th- there's these changes and it's offensive coordinator. Last year, obviously, new wide receiver coach coming in this year. Uh, There's always these adjustments, but in time, it's the Bills are going to have those opportunities down the road.
0: Yeah, and I just think with Dorsey in general, like there's got to be a little bit of allowance for learning on the job, right? Like go, like take any job that you've ever had, right? Like if you stepped into some type of leadership role at work. And you're now managing people that you were working alongside of. Like, there is an awkward nature to that. Like, just two examples come to mind right away. Chad Hall and Rob Boris, guys that he was, you know, peers with, right? Those were guys that were on his level on the coaching staff. Then you flip the switch to offensive coordinator and the same guys that you were in meeting rooms as like equals. Now they're your People that report to you, like that you are overseeing, that you are their boss. You are running the the offensive operation for the football team. So I think some of the things that worked, he's going to probably learn from that. Some of the things that he's got to change, they're probably going to change this offseason. And what's the one of the things that people always talk about for rookie players in the NFL, that year one to year two jump, how much experience that. From the experience, how much they're able to take from that and then make changes to their game in year two to, you know, have an advancement in production. I think that's all also possible for an offensive coordinator. And I look at Ken Dorsey in that way and say he's going to have a better understanding of his of who he has on the roster. They're going to go out, you would think. And this is something I'm excited to talk to Brandon Bean about in two weeks. Are you how involved is Ken Dorsey going to be? in the process of evaluating players and going out and getting specific player players tailor made for the offense that he wants to run. I want to do this, this, and this, and this offense. And I need you to get me this player, this player, and this player, because they do it because I'm the one in the, in the film room, breaking down the film on guys that can do the things that I want to do in this offense.
2: And that's huge. And that's going to be big in free agency here in about a month's time, almost a month and two days. There's going to be players that the bills might be able to get for pennies on the dollar, guys that you don't think of as, main targets of free agency but it might be someone that ken dorsey says man this guy in my system is exactly what we need we can get him involved we can have him play uh an important role kind of like what brian D- dable did for the career of isaiah mckenzie there can be those types of situations uh, i'm sure that you know the bill scouts the bills front office in terms of the draft they have their own guys they've been doing all the footwork the legwork the due diligence but again ken dorsey they might come to him and say hey you know these are guys that were high on what do you think? And I'm sure he'll look at some of the tape, look at uh, be in the room for some of the interviews at, at the combine, things like that, too. And he'll have a say on that as well. So give this coaching staff time. Same thing with Aaron Cromer is the offensive line coach. That was his first year back in Buffalo. There's going to be players that he has in mind, uh, rookies and maybe even veterans that they're going to want to bring in and uh, expect a jump from year one to year two.
0: If you want to uh, expect a jump in your game day spreads, I know that it's the off season now, but you're still going to be hosting parties. You're going to be watching some basketball, you know, March madness is coming up, you know, yeah. get yourself stocked up with a visit to the tops. Carryout cafe. Perfect for game day or any day, a uh, hot to go fresh, large cheese and pepperoni pizza is $14. The jumbo chicken wing 10 count $14. The tops legendary breakfast pizza. Get yourself a large for $20 pizza or taco logs, six count, seven 69 Baby back rib sections, five ninety nine a pound, plus sub sandwiches, wraps, apps, sides, and so much more. Visit TopSparkets.com slash Red Zone for the complete menu of ready-to-enjoy fan favorites. Final thought, Ryan Talbot.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, more so a shout-out, I guess. Uh, Saturday night, Matt, you and I had a podcast up in Buffalo at Wingnuts. My wife and I stayed overnight. I, I get a call fresh and early from my daughter around 7.38 in the morning, and she's like, hey, I'm having breakfast with one of your biggest fans. And I had no idea what she was talking about. She went to this church breakfast with my mom and 91 years old on Thursday. Her her name is Dolly, Matt, and she does not miss an episode of Shout, a Buffalo football podcast. So happy 91st birthday on Thursday. Dolly, thank you for supporting the show. Dolly, Dolly,
0: 91 years old. What a awesome, awesome piece of news. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it right here on shout a Buffalo bills, football podcast. And we have another one coming for you on Wednesday. So don't you worry about a thing? We'll be right back. That's going to be three shows in less than a week. Ryan, we're back in a big way here on shout Lee Smith was awesome. If you missed any of that interview, please go back and listen to it. Some great insight. A guy that was in the locker room for a long time. Uh, Some fun uh, conversation around the bills Uh, as he was able to kind of look at it uh, from a distance this year. Uh, And then, uh, yeah, we'll have Mike Giannitti from SpotTrack.com with a salary cap special on Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Don't miss that show. He's Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. Dolly, have some cake for me. We will see you all on Wednesday.
2: Shout, a Buffalo football
1: podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.